the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Twelve mega clues that Jesus' return is nearer than ever. Today is part one of that topic right here on the Christian Worldview Radio Program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. We are able to broadcast on the radio station, website, or app in which you are listening today because of the support of listeners like you. Thank you so much for your gifts and encouragement. You can connect with us by calling our toll-free number, one 646 or by visiting thechristianworldview.org. Now, shortly before his crucifixion, Jesus told his disciples that the magnificent temple in Jerusalem, the central place of worship for the Jews, would be destroyed. Shocked, the disciples asked Jesus, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The disciples back then were asking some of the same questions that believers are asking today. Jesus went into a full discourse about the end times, providing some of the most detailed prophecy in all of Scripture. While he didn't specify the day of his return, he did say what to watch for. Quote, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Then they will deliver you to tribulation, and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And then toward the end of Matthew 24, he concludes with this, For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Unquote. Those are excerpts from Matthew 24. So this weekend and next on The Christian Worldview, Steve Miller joins us to discuss his new book and our new featured resource titled Foreshadows, 12 Mega Clues, Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. Steve examines current events such as globalism, technology and surveillance, moral corruption, and of course the rebirth of the nation of Israel, providing non-sensational insight into the world's inexorable move to the tribulation and then the return of Christ. Before Steve Miller joins us, I thought it would be helpful for you to hear the worldview that is moving the entire world to the tribulation and the Antichrist. The man in this soundbite is Yuval Noah Harari. He is a lead advisor for Klaus Schwab, who is the founder of the World Economic Forum. Harari speaks all over the world, New York Times, Stanford, TED Talks, Times Talks. At the time of this writing, this is according to Wikipedia, his books occupied the top two slots on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list. He was born in 1976. He's an Israeli public intellectual. He's a historian and a professor in the Department of History at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. He is the author of Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, 
Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow, and 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Listen closely to what he says, for this is a foreshadow of what is to come. Data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough, and nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds. The IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste. People could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. And then the big political and economic question of the 21st century will be what do we need humans for? Or at least what do we need so many humans for? Do you have an answer in the book? Um, at present, the best guess we have is uh, keep them happy with drugs and computer games. When the technology will, on the one hand, make it possible to start enhancing and upgrading humans, and on the other hand, especially the rise of AI, will make more and more humans economically unnecessary, useless, and therefore also politically powerless. And the world or humanity might have, different parts of humanity might have different futures. And we might see really a process of some kind of speciation. That was not a parody. That was Yuval Noah Harari, an Israeli and lead advisor to Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, the foremost pusher of globalism in this world. Let's hear now from Steve Miller, author of Four Shadows, 12 Mega Clues, Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. And just a note, Steve has been deaf his entire life. We conducted this interview via closed captioning where he would read my questions on his screen and then answer. Steve, tell us how you came to Saving Faith and also tell us what drives your interest in prophecy. From a very young age, something within me has always pulled me toward the idea that there is a God out there. Growing up as a child, I would look up at the stars at night and I would think something so big had to have been created by something. And I grew up in a family that 
Spiritan church, although some of the churches we went to, because we moved around a lot, weren't as responsible about teaching scripture or teaching the gospel message as they should. So it was kind of sort of a smorgasbord where I would pick up different things along the way. I had a Bible. I read my Bible. But I wasn't getting a clear sense of how do I get to know this God? How do I become saved? As a young teenager, I began to realize my need for salvation, that there were problems in my life, that there were sins, that I was doing things that were definitely wrong. I felt convicted, and I felt like that needed to be made right somehow. And so a combination of a sense that there was a God out there, a sense that there's something wrong within me that needs to be corrected, and reading the scriptures, all of that came together to build up to a very strong curiosity about how do I get right with this God? How do I get to know him? And when I was 15 years old, a cousin of mine recommended that I go to a Christian camp. And it was a very good Christian camp. The gospel message was very clearly proclaimed there. And I became good friends with a counselor who walked me through the scriptures on how a person becomes saved. And he answered probably the one question that nagged at me most, and that is, if I became saved, why do I still sin? And he explained to me the distinction that at salvation is Christ's righteousness that's imputed to us, not my own righteousness, but we still live in human bodies of flesh. And so there's sanctification. There's the process of growing more Christ-like. Positionally, I'm in Christ. I am righteous. But practically speaking, I have to work out that righteousness with Christ's help, the Holy Spirit within me, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, abiding in Christ. All of that made sense all of a sudden that week when I was at the Christian camp. So I prayed and received Christ as my Savior. And from there on, I began to read the scriptures with greater clarity. When I went to college, I started attending a church where the scriptures were taught expositorily, and which means we went verse by verse. For the first time, I began to get a clear sense of the doctrines of Scripture, what they mean to us, how to apply them, how to become more Christ-like. That made all the difference in the world. And it just so happened that it was the first church where I heard anything about Bible prophecy, the first church that taught about Christ's second coming. In the years before, I would hear people talk about, well, we're looking forward to when Christ comes back, but there'd be no clear specific teaching on when that would happen or what would happen or why, but this church did. And that's what stirred my interest in Bible prophecy. As I read the scriptures, I noticed how much of it refers to the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And that's what generated my interest in Bible prophecy and getting to know more about what's going to happen and when. Thank you for sharing that wonderful testimony as to how God saved you, Steve. Steve Miller with us today here on The Christian Worldview talking about his brand new book, Foreshadows. In the book, you have a what's called a premillennial view of eschatology, which means that you believe that Christ is going to return in the air and snatch up or rapture the Church Age believers— uh, both alive and those who have died at one time. And then there's a seven-year tribulation. That's when the Antichrist will rise to power, and there'll be a lot to be a terrible time in history, uh, wars and different things and going on. You can maybe talk more about that. And then at the end of that seven years is when Christ actually returns to earth to, to judge and to rule for a literal thousand years. That's a premillennial position. 
with that in mind, and we won't get maybe too much into that because I just want to say that as a qualifier for what you're going to talk about today, that premillennial position, you hear many in, in evangelicalism today say things like, well, we really can't be sure. There's lots of different eschatological approaches, interpretations of Scripture, so let's just not speculate, and really, let's just not really talk about it. Let's talk about more felt needs going on within the church today, people's marriages and depression and raising your kids. You draw out in your book, Foreshadows, a pretty clear understanding of what the Bible teaches is coming to us. How can we be clear about the end times? When Jesus told the disciples to keep watch, he didn't concern himself with the different views about the end times that you were just talking about. And for those who might be aware of what those different views are, there are some who say that the rapture will happen before the tribulation. There are some who say the rapture will happen halfway through the tribulation. There are some who will say it'll happen at the end of the tribulation. But Jesus didn't concern himself with any of that. He simply said, keep watch. And in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 10:25, we're commanded to fellowship and to encourage one another as we see the day approaching. We don't see any specific time indicators about when the day might be approaching, the day of Christ's return. We're just simply told to be ready. So there's a sense in which Scripture expects us, Scripture commands us to live in a constant state of readiness no matter where we are in the Christian life. Scripture tells us that these things will happen, and therefore there's a sense in which we can be certain in which Christ's return will happen, and therefore we should be ready. Steve Miller with us again today here on The Christian Worldview. Part one of your book is Israel's Rebirth, the Ultimate Sign of the End Times. And I'm just going to read a portion here, starting on page 28, where you say, Without a doubt, the rebirth of Israel after 2,000 years of diaspora is one of God's greatest modern-day miracles. No nation in history has preserved its national identity and heritage over the course of so many centuries after being uprooted from their homeland. Only God could have made this happen. One more paragraph. As one website observes, 3,000 years ago, Jerusalem was built as the capital of Israel. It has been attacked 52 times, besieged 23 times, ransacked 39 times, destroyed and rebuilt three times, and captured and recaptured 44 times. 3,000 years on, it remains the capital of Israel. Why is Israel's rebirth in 1948 when it became their land again. Why is this what you call the super sign and so super unlikely? David, as you say, the rebirth of Israel is what prophecy teachers often call the super sign of the end times. It's something that has to happen before the end times can take place. What's so spectacular about this is we consider that the Jewish people were scattered all over the world for 2,000 years. There was nothing that unified them all across the earth. They were just in little isolated communities or individuals in different places all over the world. And miraculously, God brought about events to slowly drive them to start moving back into Israel. This began back in the early 20th century when a journalist, Theodore Herzl, gained the vision for the Jewish people to go back to their homeland. And the thing that prompted this was that Jewish people were being persecuted everywhere, especially in Europe. And this prompted him to say, hey, we need to find a safe place to go back to again, and this would be our homeland. Sure enough, in 1948, Israel was reborn. And what's key about this is all of the prophecies of the end times 
they describe a need for Israel to be in place, for Jerusalem to be in place, for a temple to be in place in order for the end times to happen. If Israel were not there, the end times would not be able to happen. And that's why it's the super sign. And so let's get into those 12 clues now. Again, Steve Miller with us today here on the Christian Worldview, the author of Foreshadows. I'm just going to briefly read the 12 mega clues that you you point out in in this book, and then we're going to get to maybe a question about each of them or try to cover as many as, as we can. Okay, just a quick pause. You are listening to the Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. You can support this nonprofit radio ministry by calling one 646 2233 visiting thechristianworldview.org, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. And God loves you so much, He became a human being, suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. That means you don't have to end up in hell. God can legally forgive your sins because He's the lover of your soul. And then Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death. Mario, if you give up the battle and just say, God, I'm a rebel, and you repent and trust in Christ, God will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life as a free gift. Do you believe what I'm saying? Yes. It's the gospel truth. I wouldn't lie to you. Ray Comfort is a tireless proclaimer of the gospel and a sharp defender of the faith. Did you know that Ray has written the commentary for the Evidence Study Bible, a New King James Version that is chock full of evidence for the faith and instruction on evangelism? To purchase the Evidence Study Bible, go to thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design. That was Yuval Noah Harari, a leading advisor to Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. Dystopian scenarios like this will likely mark the days leading up to the return of Christ. This is why we recommend you order Steve Miller's new book, Foreshadows, 12 Mega Clues, Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. You can get it for a donation of any amount. Just call one 646 2233 or go to org. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Steve Miller is our guest today. He is the author of Foreshadows, 12 Mega Clues That Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. It's our new featured resource. Let's get back to the interview with Steve. Here are the 12 mega clues that you point out in your book, Foreshadows. Foreshadow number one is the rise of globalism. Foreshadow number two is the trends toward a one-world government. Foreshadow number three is the struggle to build a united European empire. Foreshadow number four is the spread of all invasive technology and surveillance. Foreshadow number five is the progression to a one-world economy. 
Foreshadow number six is the descent into moral and spiritual corruption. Okay, then the second half of the list is foreshadow number seven is the proliferation of deception. And foreshadow number eight, the assault on truth. Number nine is the increase of Christian persecution. Number 10, the explosion of hostilities toward Israel and the Jewish people. Number 11, the preparations for a new temple in Jerusalem. And number 12, the forming of a coalition to destroy Israel. And I wanted to read those early on, just so listeners have a context for what these mega clues are. And we'll we'll dive deeper into some or all of them here in our interview. But I would imagine that many people listening today would have just heard those headings of the 12 mega clues, the foreshadows, and said, wow, you don't even need much more explanation to talk about the rise of globalism, trends toward a one-world government, all-invasive technology and surveillance, a one-world economy, a descent into moral and spiritual corruption. Those are happening all around us. So many of those mega clues are related to globalism. You know, one world government, all global economy, those kinds of things, world unity. Why are so many of them related, Steve, to this idea of the world coming together globally as one? The reason so much of this is all interrelated, all related to the idea of a one world government, all related to the idea of globalism, is that Satan's ultimate desire for mankind is to get everyone to think the same way and ultimately to get everyone to rebel against God. The whole purpose of bringing Antichrist into the world is that Satan can use him as a puppet to get people to worship him. Halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist will go into the Jewish temple and he will declare himself God. With the Antichrist being a puppet of Satan, there's a sense in which Satan wants to use all of this to get a world system that worships him instead of God, and that's why all of this is all interrelated. Steve Miller with us today here on the Christian Worldview radio program. We are talking about his book, Foreshadows, and we are offering this book as our new current resource for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. Just get in contact with us the usual ways. Go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or you can call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233. You can also write to us at box 401 Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. The book is 336 pages, soft cover, and retails for $17.99. Steve, you have the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, the European Union, the World Health Organization, the World Trade Organization, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and lots of other organizations and things that have global or international in them. And I refer to page 50 of your book, where you say not only are there lots of global organizations and governments, government leaders, you talked about the G20, but you say this is a a world that's going to be networked by powerful global corporations. And you listed companies like Apple and Microsoft and Alphabet or Google, Amazon, and then a lot of Chinese companies as well. I think these are Chinese Tencent Holdings and Alibaba major, huge companies that everyone's heard of that we all, probably a lot of us, use on a regular basis in some way. How do you see that, corporations, as as being a hand-in-hand partner to achieving this globalistic dynamic in the world? The way that corporations work hand-in-hand with the whole move toward globalism 
is that big corporations have products and policies that influence all of us. These big corporations do something that individual governments don't do. Individual governments work within their borders. They work with their own citizens. But big corporations, big banks, big tech, companies that have businesses all over the world, they interconnect us in a way that governments don't. There's a sense in which these big companies transcend borders. They transcend national identity. And so there's a sense in which because these big corporations are stateless, they're not bound by borders, they create an environment in which people also see themselves as stateless. People see themselves as not necessarily bound by borders. So there's a sense in which they create a community. There are large communities of us that use certain banks, that use certain products. And the policies that these companies create shape the way we live and they even shape governments. There are governments that are influenced by how these corporations operate. So in that sense, they move us more closer to a one global community. Steve Miller with us today here on The Christian Worldview, the author of Four Shadows, 12 Mega Clues That Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. And you can order this book from The Christian Worldview for a donation of any amount. Just get in contact with us the usual ways. In this first foreshadow on the rise of globalism, you mentioned a name that I think many listeners will know, Klaus Schwab. He's German. He's the head, I think even the founder of the World Economic Forum. He has lots of influence over leaders in the world. They hold their annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland. You go into this. He's the guy who's famous for saying in whatever year, I think it was 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. I want to read a quote from him in the book. You say, we should take advantage, Klaus Schwab says, of this unprecedented opportunity to reimagine our world in a bid to make it a better and more resilient one as it emerges on the other side of this crisis. And he was referring to COVID-19 there. Klaus Schwab is credited as the person who introduced the quote-unquote Great Reset. The United Nations is after what they call their 2030 agenda. So tell us more about what this Great Reset is about, spearheaded by Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, and also this United Nations, the 2030 agenda, whether they're different or whether they're basically two ideas going down uh, in parallel tracks. Klaus Schwab. He's the one who wrote the book on the Great Reset. He's simply representing a worldview that is held by all of those who are involved in the World Economic Forum, which is made up of very powerful leaders, politicians, cultural influencers, people who are at the tops of different parts of society who get together once a year, and they stay in touch during the year, of course. They all share a similar worldview, and that is that Global problems require global solutions. And one of the things that Klaus Schwab's talked about in his book is that we need to take advantage of COVID-19. We need to take advantage of crises to change the way that our world is governed. And the hint there is that we need to govern globally. We need to all see ourselves as a global community, which is the same thing as what the United Nations teaches through their 2030 agenda. Both the World Economic Forum and the United Nations have 2030 agendas. And the common theme behind all of this is that we need to see ourselves as one global community that strives together 
to solve all of the world's problems. As I say that, I don't want to imply that these people, the specific individuals involved, are necessarily the predecessors to the Antichrist themselves. But what they are doing is they're putting into place the paving stones that would take us on a path to that ultimate end. Do you think countries like China and Russia, which are more nationalistic, yeah, they're part of the global community, but they look out for their own interests. They're not interested in being influenced or part of some global community unless it's for their own growing power. So China, Xi Jinping, Russia, Vladimir Putin. Do you see them as part of future global governance? And how do they figure into the end times? The big question that we have to ask ourselves is how are we going to get from here to there? Meaning, how are we going to get to what we see happening in our world now through the globalism and the one world government that we see pictured in the Bible? Well, the answer to that is we don't really know. Scripture did not lay out what's going to happen between here and there. Scripture tells us what the end result will be, but it doesn't reveal to us what's going to happen along the way. But I think what we see happening is you are correct that Russia and China are very nationalistic. They stand for their own interests. They're not pushing for a one world community in the same way that much of the West is. Europe, America, South America, some other parts of the world are all thinking in terms of what the World Economic Forum and the United Nations are promoting, that we need to be one global community. Russia and China don't seem to be a part of that. And I think part of that is explained by the fact that the Antichrist won't become a one world ruler until the halfway point of the tribulation when the Antichrist enters the temple and declares himself to be God. It's obvious from that point onward, he will be the sole world ruler. Before that, scripture tells us that there are going to be other co-rulers with him. In the book of Daniel, it talks about the 10 horns or the 10 beings in power during the first half of the tribulation. So we know that there are going to be competing powers and we know that there are going to be wars. Scripture talks about wars during the end time. And it's very possible that these wars will occur between those factions that are wanting to be a global community and those factions that are like Russia and China that are individualistic. So it won't be like a all of a sudden in a moment's time, there's going to be harmony and everybody's going to be holding hands together. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be disagreement. And the Antichrist will have to work with that to the point where he eventually is able to take full control of the world. It sounds like you believe the Antichrist is going to rise out of the United European Union. Is that correct? Yes, it does appear that the Antichrist will arise out of Europe. And the thinking behind that is that when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had a vision in which he saw a statue made of different metals, gold, silver, bronze, iron. The iron legs represent Rome, ancient Rome. And as we know from history, Rome split into two major empires, the East and the West, which is symbolized by the legs of the statue. Well, the statue ends with feet and toes that are made of iron and clay. And the iron represents the former Roman Empire, the territories that made it up. But the clay represents an attempt to hold together, to cobble together the pieces of what used to be the former Roman Empire. 
which is what the European Union seems to be. The European Union is largely made up of territories that form the Asian Roman Empire. But it's interesting that the toes of the statue are iron and clay, which means somehow there's going to be someone or a government that attempts to hold them together and can't do it. But this final kingdom is the European Union. In Daniel, it talks about how a stone hurled at the statue's feet will destroy the entire statue, and that stone represents Christ and his coming kingdom. Christ's kingdom will come against the European Union, which is represented in the feet, toes of clay of that statue, which implies that the Antichrist's rule will come out of Europe. Steve Miller with us today on The Christian Worldview. He is the author of our new current resource entitled Four Shadows, 12 Mega Clues That Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. You can order it for a donation of any amount to The Christian Realview. Just go to our website, thechristianrealview.org. You can also call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or you can write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. In this chapter on foreshadow number two on one world government, you say just a key aspect of getting to that is the idea of restricting free speech. You can't have independent thinkers. You can't have people espousing something different than the approved narrative. I read recently, I believe he's a reporter for the Washington Post named Max Boot. He's on the left. So is the Washington Post. It's owned by Jeff Bezos, making your point once again, the richest people enjoy or have the power in these big corporations to influence the way people think. He said recently in his Twitter post, before Elon Musk, the richest person in the world right now, bought Twitter, quote, I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media, anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less, unquote. That's Max Boot, just openly saying that we can't have people having free speech on social media, online. We need to have content moderation, which basically is just a code for restrict what people can say. You call it in your book, Steve, censorship creep on restricting this first freedom in America, free speech. That and freedom of religion and a couple others holds a free society together. You don't have those, you immediately transitioned into authoritarianism. So how do you explain, Steve, why so many people in our country will vote for those who will take these individual freedoms away? What they don't acknowledge is that a lot of what free speech is all about is in the realm of disagreements, perfectly legitimate disagreements. What's happening is we live in a society now that is casting all speech as either all good or all evil. They are canceling out the gray areas where there used to be legitimate room for disagreement. And what's happening in the realm of politics is here's what people should be free to say and should not be free to say, as opposed to trusting people to use their own minds and make their own decisions and allow what they call the marketplace of ideas to compete so that people can arrive at their own conclusion as to what they believe. Yes, that's exactly why the left has been in such a meltdown over Elon Musk 
buying Twitter and promising to get back to more of a free speech platform rather than everything being regulated, tilting toward the left. Steve, let's go forward to foreshadow number four, the spread of all invasive technology and surveillance. Okay, just a quick pause. You are listening to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. You can support this nonprofit radio ministry by calling one 646 2233 visiting the org, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. And God loves you so much, He became a human being, suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. That means you don't have to end up in hell. God can legally forgive your sins because he's the lover of your soul and then Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death Mario if you give up the battle and just say God I'm a rebel and you repent and trust in Christ God will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life as a free gift do you believe what I'm saying yes it's the gospel truth I wouldn't lie to you Ray Comfort is a tireless proclaimer of the gospel and a sharp defender of the faith Did you know that Ray has written the commentary for the Evidence Study Bible, a New King James Version that is chock full of evidence for the faith and instruction on evangelism? To purchase the Evidence Study Bible, go to thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Pastor James Coates was arrested and sent to prison a couple of weeks ago in Canada. What did he do? He held a church service. And it isn't the government's responsibility to protect us from a virus. What's their responsibility to protect our God-given rights? Two days after that sermon, Pastor James Coates was arrested and imprisoned. He has now co-authored an important book titled God Versus Government, Taking a Biblical Stand When Christ and Compliance Collide. God versus Government is 208 pages, soft cover, and retails for $17.99. You can order a copy for a donation of any amount to the Christian Realview. Go to thechristianrealview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's 1-888-646-2233 or org. Thanks for joining us on The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianworldview.org. Transcripts and short takes are also available. Now back to the interview with Steve Miller about his book, Foreshadows. Steve, let's go forward to foreshadow number four, the spread of all invasive technology and surveillance. I just want to read a couple paragraphs here. You say it took only seven minutes for police officers in the Chinese city of Guayang to hunt down and, quote, capture BBC reporter John Sudworth. In a staged test intended to demonstrate just how pervasive China's surveillance technology is, this BBC reporter named Sudworth had his photo taken by the Guayang police, who then submitted the image into the surveillance system's massive digital database. This database contains an image of every resident who lives in the city. That's 3.5 million people. Sudworth then began to walk the streets of Guayang, which are blanketed 
with closed-circuited TV cameras, or CCTVs. These cameras are equipped with facial recognition technology that enables them to make instant matches to the digital files on record. In the case of non-matches, the cameras are capable of estimating a person's gender, ethnicity, and age. These cameras, with the help of artificial intelligence or AI technology, can connect every facial image to an ID card. As a coordinated whole, the extensive network of cameras can record data that makes it possible for authorities to retrace a person's every move for a full week. The last paragraph. The instant that Guayang surveillance system was asked to find Sudworth's whereabouts, cameras detected him and reported his every move seven minutes later in a city of 3.5 million people. A group of police officers swarmed upon Sudworth and quote-unquote arrested him. This particular chapter in your book, Foreshadows, is just a a frightening chapter of of what the future is going to be like for this world. It, It really is. All invasive technology and surveillance. It's literally Big Brother is watching you at all times. Describe a little more, Steve, what you have researched and found out about the surveillance state in China and where America is in this process. The Chinese government tells the Chinese people that the whole purpose for this surveillance system is to ensure that people are protected, to protect against criminal activity. They say it's for the good of the people. But ultimately, what the surveillance system does, it is puts into place a system by which the government can ensure that citizens are cooperating with everything that the government wants them to do. This surveillance technology is being exported to a lot of different countries. Right now, there are 63 different countries in the world that use some of this technology in some form or other. For example, in London, in the city of London, there are some areas that use the very same cameras that are used in China. Now, the local governing authorities in some of these cities and towns in London that use this equipment, they say, well, we're not using the artificial intelligence component that keeps track of people in ways that the Chinese government does. But the fact is that the technology is there to do it, and it wouldn't be much of a stretch for them to adapt those cameras to more oppressive purposes. The fact that China has been exporting this technology to 63 new countries with possibly more to come is frightening. As far as places like America, we do have a lot of surveillance cameras. Uh, one thing that stands out in my mind right now is the city of Fort Worth. I know that the city is a, a safe city largely because they do use surveillance cameras in the city. But the whole idea of using surveillance for the purpose of safety leaves you vulnerable to the idea that a government could take that very same system that's already in place and use it for more oppressive measures, use it to make sure that people are cooperating with what the government wants. And this is a foreshadow because you're saying this is what the the future global government antichrist is going to use to be able to control the world. He's going to be watching over you, your every move that you make, and the technology is there right now to do so. It's just a matter of worldwide implementation. Steve Miller with us today here on The Christian Worldview. He's the author of Foreshadows, 12 Mega Clues That Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. It's our new featured resource. 
You can order it for a donation of any amount to The Christian Realview. Just get in contact with us the usual ways through our website, thechristianrealview.org, by phone, one 646 or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. The book is 336 pages, a soft cover, and retails for seventeen ninety nine. Steve, as a part of this surveillance state that is growing all over the world, you write in the book about once they know everything about you, what you write online, where you go, the websites you visit, what you like and dislike, who your friends are, what you purchase, then it leads into this social credit system that you talk about in China. You said all this raises the game of mind control to scary levels, the fear of being penalized for even the tiniest infraction leaves citizens living in perpetual paranoia. And now you have your social credit score lowered if you participate in unapproved speech or actions. You say positive uh, behavior is prompted not by a desire to be good or charitable, but because of the ever-present threat of punishments that can make life a lot tougher. In China's social credit system, we may very well see a foreshadow of the kind of social management system the Antichrist will use to enforce absolute loyalty to his rule. Because the Antichrist authority will extend to the entire globe, he will need surveillance and artificial intelligence technology that leaves no corner of the world hidden from him. Steve, talk more about this social credit system and how we know it's in China right now. How do you see this developing right now in America? The whole purpose of the social credit system is to modify people's behavior. The Chinese government wants its people to behave in certain ways. It wants to get people to follow what the government expects of them. And so people are either rewarded for good behavior or penalized for negative behavior, as you said. And so this forces the people to modify how they act so that they please the government and so that they can continue to enjoy the benefits that they want to receive. Now, Italy just announced recently the city of Bologna that they are going to start a social credit system in that city that's connected to climate change behavior. So, for example, people who recycle things properly, people who use public transportation, people who do things that are favorable to the climate will be rewarded and it will be kept track of digitally. People will be given digital wallets and those who recycle properly, those who use public transportation, those who do things that are favorable to the climate will be rewarded with a type of digital currency that will allow them to enjoy benefits or they can have discounts at stores that reward their good behavior. Well, the rest of Europe is going to be watching this. The rest of Europe is going to be saying, hmm, Maybe this is a way we can encourage people to behave for climate change or for whatever reason they might have. Now, we saw a form of this in Canada recently when the truckers were protesting against COVID restrictions in Canada. And the prime minister of Canada froze the bank accounts of those protesters. There was a sense in which the government was penalizing the behavior of people who were doing something that the government didn't want. So how could something like this spread to the United States? Well, I think one very possible way that it could happen 
is through what they call central bank digital currencies. Last month, the president of the U.S. signed a order or an agreement for the central bank of the U.S. for the Federal Reserve to start researching the use of central bank digital currencies, which in a nutshell is simply getting everybody in the United States on a type of digital currency. Their wallets are issued by the government. Everybody has a wallet. It's given to them by the government. We're paid by a digital currency. We spend by digital currency. And because it's all controlled by the government, it's all controlled by a central bank, the government would have the option of turning on or turning off our digital wallets according to how we behave. You don't have to squint very much to see that coming our way. Steve Miller with us today on The Christian Worldview. Just the final question for you, Steve. We'll get into uh, more of your book next time on the program. But the one more portion I wanted to read was about this total surveillance, total power of foreshadow number four, of how the Antichrist and the, the future will be so marked by this. You say these technological advancements and many more to come are accelerating us toward a world where there will truly be no place to hide. There will be no anonymity. If someone wants to find you out, you will be found out. With each use of your digital devices, you increasingly define who you are, what you believe, and what you do. All this becomes data points of reference that will enable algorithms to identify you in one way or another. We live in what is rapidly becoming a digital domain from which there is no escape. And when I read that, Steve, I thought about God's omnipresence, that God is everywhere. He's omniscient, he knows all, he's omnipresent, he is all places. He sees all and knows all, but he's a good God, and he is recording everything in his books. When we die and stand before him someday, those books will be opened, and all of our thoughts and our lives and our actions will be laid bare because God perfectly saw all of them. But this God is a perfectly just God, and he will judge us justly for our sins. And and those who have repented of their sins and trusted in Christ's work on their behalf, that Christ paid the penalty for those sins, or trusting in Christ's work, not their own works, will be justly forgiven by God because Christ paid the, the penalty for those sins. But those who don't will have to pay the penalty for their own sins and be justly sentenced to hell for all of eternity. It's a frightening thought and should impel every listener today to say, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I think about God's omnipresence, Steve. No one's treated unjustly, but when man gets this total omnipresence, so to speak, this total surveillance, and that's really what it is. It's man's attempt to be God and know everything and control everyone. Man with his fallen nature, this is going to be a very dystopian world. And so I conclude today by asking you this question about these foreshadows of biblical prophecy. Why should we be trying to understand what's going to happen in the future when it appears that things are going to be getting pretty terrible in the future when when man gets his way and his power. Explain the purpose of biblical prophecy and what it should do for the believer and for the unbeliever who may be listening today. As we look at what's going on around us in today's world, it's so easy to get depressed. It's so easy to get discouraged. You get frustrated. You get frustrated over the lack of justice, the lack of righteousness. You get frustrated at immorality. You get frustrated at Things that we know are clearly wrong. 
and it bothers us. And it's so easy to let all of that pull us down. But one of the reasons that God included prophecy in the Bible is to remind us to be looking at the finish line, look ahead, look at what is to come. It kind of makes me think about the book of Hebrews when it talks about how Christ went to the cross with joy, not because the cross was going to uh, be a good experience for him. It wasn't. It was a very painful experience. It was a crushing experience. It was very painful and devastating. But he knew what would come after the cross. And Bible prophecy does the same thing. Bible prophecy reminds us what is going to come after all these horrible things that are happening on earth these days and more. As Jesus said when he talked to the disciples about the end times, he said that those days will be like the days of Noah. Uh, Mankind will be so corrupt. It will be so dark. It will be so evil. And that discourages us. But as we look to Bible prophecy, it reminds us there is a good outcome. God is in control. Keep your eyes on the finish line. Persevere. Hang in there. The good is coming. So well said. And God gives the believer, the Holy Spirit, to persevere. We don't have to do it in our own strength because we can't. Steve Miller, thank you for coming on The Christian Realview today. We're going to be looking forward to the second part of our conversation next time. We are out of time for today, but again, you can order Steve Miller's brand new book, Foreshadows, 12 Mega Clues That Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. For a donation of any amount, just get in contact with us the usual ways. That contact information will be coming up right after the program. Thank you for joining us today on The Christian Realview. Thanks also to our listeners for funding today's program. Be encouraged. We may live in a challenging world that is rushing headlong toward the end times, but God is in control. And Jesus Christ and his word are the same yesterday and today and forever. He's coming back to judge and to reign. Until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm. The mission of the Christian worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program, order a transcript, or find out what must I do to be saved, go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported nonprofit radio ministry furnished by the Overcomer Foundation. To make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, order resources, subscribe to our free newsletter, or contact us visit thechristianworldview.org, call 1-888-646-2233, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.